Welcome to Gaze of the World and I, a podcast series by Belong. I am Swati Joshi, your host. In this series, we will talk to various authors whose work explores the myriad of experiences of individuals who are understanding and exploring their sexuality against the facade of family, community, and the city. In each episode, we will speak to different authors to understand their journey as writers, their inspirations of writing on the subject, the challenges and the rewards, and what they hope their work will end up doing for their readers. Through this series, we hope to have conversations that can bring us closer to the common human experiences of loss, of love, and of finding oneself against the backdrop of patriarchy and heteronomy. Hello and welcome to this episode of Gaze of the World and I. Today, we are talking to Madhumita Bhattacharya, the author of Dirty Women. Madhumita is one of India's few crime thriller writers who has written four murder mysteries, The Masala Murder, Dead in a Mumbai Minute, Goa Undercover and Dirty Women. With an experience of working in the space of the newsroom, writing and editing across a wide range of subjects, Madhumita weaves in personal experiences of her work into her latest novel, Dirty Women, which is about the investigation into the disappearance of four-year-old Tara in 2002 in Calcutta. What ensues is a media circus on the private life of her mother, Drishti Sen Gupta, who is a singer of note and a single unapologetic mother. Narrated in two timelines, one in 2002 and one in the present true crime book within book written by Ahana, a young journalist who was forced into the heart of this case. Dirty Women explores two tragedies, that of a missing child and that of a city that is determined to bring down an independent woman who wishes to live her life on her own terms. Stay tuned for a conversation that explores Madhumita's journey as a writer, the trial and tribulations that led to the creation of Dirty Women, and the characterizations of strong women against the facade of a patriarchal society. Hi Madhumita, thank you so much for joining me today for this particular episode of this podcast that we're calling Gaze of the World and I. So first of all, welcome. Um, so I just wanted to start off with knowing a little bit about, you know, your journey as a writer, what has it been like before we sort of get into the book and, you know, talk a little bit more about it. So what has it been like, the journey? <laughs> long, <laughs> very long. So I have always been a writer in some form or the other. And the first foray into that was journalism. So straight out of college, I joined the Telegraph newspaper as a trainee reporter and off and on in various forms, spent the next 12 years there, mainly on staff. But I also took a hiatus in between to work in another area that I feel very passionate about. That's the nonprofit developmental sector. Quickly found that writing was my way of expressing myself and I was not really suited for anything else except writing. I wrote my first book, which was never published, but I think that I started writing my first novel in maybe 2009 or 2008, thereabouts. Obviously, it was on the side. It has to be on the side. That first novel never got published, but the first three chapters won me a very strangely named award. It was called 
are you writing rubbish or something like that? But the award was to say I was not writing rubbish. That was a bit of a pat on the back from it was the you know British Council Jaipur or some early edition of Lit Fest. Never, I mean, it was really very very small. But it was sort of my first reader review. Like at the end of the day, we need to know really whether our writing is up to scratch or not. So that was a good way to understand that there was potential. That book did not have potential though. I queried it for a long time. it never really went anywhere and now when i read it i know exactly why it was not good but it was my practice novel and i strongly feel that everyone should have one actually now and then i started writing my first detective series when i moved with my husband to shanghai in china for a couple of years and i had gone freelance part time so that gave me a lot of time that's when i started working on what became the Rima Ray series of three quite traditional detective crime thriller you know with a female at the core and yeah that was the first book came out in 2012 then there's a lot of other stuff in between but that's how i got my start as a writer right right you know when i finished reading the dirty women i i was reading the acknowledgments and you mentioned that right at the end that this particular book is an idea that was born a lifetime ago but you never really picked it up Why did you finally decide to write this? Yeah, what has that experience been like? So, this book was sort of born out of the anxiety of being a new parent. You know, every parent has these nightmare moments and it was sort of an idea that came from there. However, what had happened is after I wrote a few books, I was growing more and more disillusioned with the world of publishing and you know how difficult it really is so i took a break and again tried i joined of all things a space startup based in bangalore and i was doing again some of their non-profit educational work and it was a very interesting experience and i was quite happy for a while not writing actually and then when i came you know when i realized that no i did want to continue writing was actually because my first book was optioned by a rather large studio unfortunately that came to not in the end as these things that often do but it, again it was a little bit of validation that you so often need as a creative person and the business of selling books doesn't really provide that validation but when that happened that was in 2017 i think or 2018 i decided that it was time to give you know novel writing one last shot so to speak and i started writing this so by between the time i had the idea it was probably you know maybe two or three years but it really kind of stuck with me all that time so i knew it was the right one the book that i needed to write right and it's a delightful read i must say i mean i've been hooked on to it ever since i picked it up and started reading it and i must i have wanted to put it out there but so it's essentially like a it is a crime thriller it has all of those elements within it it has suspense it has thriller it has you know the drama the sex it's fueled with all of that but i think what i found intriguing as i was reading it was you know there was also this layering of another silent crime that was happening which was you know the spectacle that was created of drishti and her life and that's also kind of like a crime that i see happening which nobody was talking about except for probably the second storyline of ahana who was able to recognize the kind of you know nuances in which that silent crime was 
getting committed. So as a writer, what was that entire process of building this sort of a narrative for Drishti and this whole, you know, layering it up like this? And why was that an important aspect for this book's theme? Hmm. Yes. So first of all, thank you for your kind words. I'm glad you enjoyed it. About Drishti, I think she's obviously the the heart of the book. And I think around the time that this book came out, that I started conceiving this book, there was a lot of, I mean, there's always something horrible happening, right? And I think, you know, there were several events in the news in the years preceding that really kind of rocked me as a former journalist. I know what it's like to be on the other side. I know how terrible it can be for that to be your job. I've been in situations where I have, you know, waited hours outside some celebrity or the other's door or in the hotel lobby. I mean, we've all done those things as journalists. I mean, we've all done our time in in those sorts of beats. And it's terrible. It just, every time it, I think it killed a little bit of me. Then again, coming back to the fact that, you know, as a mother, your biggest fear is something terrible happening to you. And watching in particular, how the Arushi case played out in the news, it was just devastating. Like it really shook me in so many ways because at the end of the day, you're victimized over and over and over again. And it's not just in that case that it happened. It's a feature as we are seeing play out with the most ridiculous and mundane things nowadays. And it seems to be only getting worse. So I think at the heart of the story was that tension. Like, what does it feel like to be on the receiving end of that? And it's a very, very difficult thing to inhabit that mind space. Like, how do you get into Drishti's head when she's going through that? So it became almost an act of, I think, self-preservation for me to create a narrator who was viewing it from the outside. Because to enter her head in her moments of the worst anguish any human can ever experience, I don't think it was possible. Like for me, that was an act of empathy too far. Yeah. What you were talking about, your own experiences as a journalist. I mean, that was going to be like kind of like a follow-up question any which way for me. Because it's also written through that perspective of a journalist one gets a sense of that tension as well that in a newsroom where one is fighting one's ideals versus you know what should be out there as headlines and you know the constant sort of um, conflict that ahana the second character goes through i just wanted to sort of get a little bit more from you in terms of how much of your own personal experiences have gone into this if you're comfortable talking about it of course i mean in the sense only in terms of reflection of mm-hmm. what you were also saying in terms of, you know, the waiting in hotel lobbies or just, mm-hmm. you know, just fishing for content or things like that. Like what part of your reflections finally made it into the book and why did you want it to be in that? Like the narrative could have been anybody else, but then why give it that journalistic sort of an approach as well was also where I'm headed towards. Yeah, I think part of it is personal and part of it is plot driven. To get the personal stuff, since we were talking about that, covered first. Definitely a journalist is is a very strange character in today's India. She is someone who is expected to know everything. And I think at some point in the book, this may, you know, Ahana may have said this, 
but they're also completely vilified. There's nothing worse than, you know, news media or press. And that's not just today. It was even, you know, 15 years ago, at least, maybe not 20 when I started out, but somewhere along the line, it just became a very polluted and difficult space. So to hold on to the idea that journalist or is a truth bearer, is someone who is responsible for what they put out into the world, how that plays in the context of a modern newsroom, how that plays in the context of an Indian newsroom. It's very, very different from experiences others will have in other places, perhaps from what I've seen and read and heard. But that idea of someone as an outsider is also very important when you're constructing a crime novel, which is not a procedural. So to come to the plot aspect of it, who is your detective? That is always going to be the big question. You could choose someone in law enforcement. Someone has to get to the bottom of the crime. Obviously, law enforcement is not Drishti's friend here. It was never going to be an insider. The whole idea is that she's an outsider and no one saw her, really. That is, except Ahana. And she only saw her because of her own personal relationships with her, but also who she was as a person, as a journalist was important. So this idea in a thriller of controlling the flow of information that reaches the reader is one of the most pivotal questions. So what do you hide? What do you present? And when you present it? So that is where I like the idea of using an outsider because there's more conflict. And to me, it feels real to my experience as well, of course. The idea that there are investigative journalists who can do this work is also not far-fetched. It's true to life. Obviously, solving crimes is seldom something that in this nature that a journalist would do. Also, it's not just that she's a journalist. It is she's a lifestyle journalist. She's almost, you know, the lowest on the totem pole in terms of newsroom pecking order. So what does someone like that do in this sort of a situation? And often it is that person in real life, because if someone who's considered a celebrity is the victim, will be someone like Ahana who's sent from the newsroom to try to make inroads. It's happened <laughs> too many times. <laughs> it's really, really bizarre. And how does that, someone like that tell this story? And what impact does it have on them? Right. Just adding on to that, I mean, I felt like, you know, what you were saying that how much information does the reader get at each and every point to sort of build the tension and build the conflict where it comes to Christian. It felt like, you know, we were peeling an onion and you know, bit by bit, we were getting to the core of it. And what was, for me, fascinating was how throughout the entire book, Drishti's narrative about who she is, what she believes in and how she wants to live her life, that doesn't change despite of everything around her. Even Ahana understanding where this, the fact that, you know, Drishti is like that, but you have to tell who the father is or you have to talk about these things. You have to give in. And she refuses to do that. And it's very rare to find an apologetic sort of female characters in Indian literature, at least, you know, if you talk about the urban, in the urban setting. I just wanted to know a little bit about when you were sort of writing Drishti's character, what was in your head, what was inspiring you at that point, And why was it important for you to build her in this manner? And because it's almost like you're fitting the main character against the entire world. 
as a reader, I was feeling for Drishti, but I was also getting very frustrated with how the conflict, because it almost felt like it was happening to me as a young woman. So who also aspires probably to have a similar kind of a life. So what was inspiring you when you were sort of building her character while you were writing the book? I think her character grew out of a question. What happens when a woman today doesn't care about society? We are all so programmed with the idea that we must care. And quite frankly, I do care, even though I have been in situations in my life which could have freed me from care. I have never been a drishti. I have always been an ahana, someone who will play it safe. So the question was sort of if I had taken every step of my life, if I had chosen to do what I had wanted instead, or not even wanted. Maybe for me, it wasn't a want, but if I had done what was not expected of me instead of what was expected of me, Zurishti was sort of a manifestation of that. Like she lives in a world without judgment. And that is because she does not judge herself, nor does she judge others. And none of us live in that world. She's not a realistic character. There are people who do, of course, but I mean, she's not nihilistic. She's not in any way acting out. She's just being completely true to herself. And in that she's, you know, at least I don't think I've met someone who would act in that way. While Ahana was the counterpoint to that, like she is the every woman and far more relatable in her choices far more relatable in her struggles. But she could feel for Drishti because she understood her need to be free of constraint. And what I like about Drishti is that, you know, I, I've just watched two absolutely brilliant shows, which I think in some way oddly relate. One, specifically The Chair, which I think, honestly, like now that you mentioned whatever you just said, the character of Bill in The Chair is similarly unapologetic. If you've seen it, I don't know if you've seen it. You must watch it. It's great. But anyway, so I won't get into that. So I'm very frustrated with modern entertainment in the streaming era, which falls upon extreme violence and extreme sex as their mode of storytelling. I find it a little unrealistic. So the fact that Drishti is She's not a wild child in your traditional sense of the word. She is just herself. And there aren't many characters who are allowed to be that, I feel. And yes, she is frustrating. She's strange. She's, you know, how she acts in this moment is, you know, anyone looking from the outside would have your reaction. And that is very much what I wanted is we should feel frustrated, but no one can be inside her head. And that is also where the frustration comes from as a reader. Like if you can't access where she is emotionally, you can't fully comprehend her, why she's doing what she's doing. Hopefully by the end of that, the book, it does peel away a little bit of her outer shell. And you do get some insight into how she thinks, especially post Vidyut's entering the story and, of course, through to the last prologue slash epilogue, I suppose. Some of her motivation does become a little more apparent. But 
yeah, I, I think I didn't want her to be fully knowable. Yeah, it's almost like even at the end, you still feel like you don't know her. Mm-hmm. You know her, but you just know her because of this case and because of what happened. But you still don't know her really, really well, which is a very... But, and isn't you, that how we view celebrity? Like we can read someone's tweets and read their interviews and we know only what they want us to see. And we make so much of it when it's really just a sliver of their identity. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. Actually, it, it makes me now think about, you know, I mean, this whole, how people are so obsessed over celebrities and want to dig every story out and the whole paparazzi culture and things like that. I mean, there was reflection of that. And I think what I also found interesting in the book was because Drishti is a woman, but also because Drishti is a single mother out of wedlock, it just makes it much more gossip worthy, which is why I was asking the question that, you know, this character that is created is very, it's next to impossible. It's an aspiration, you know, for say a, a raging feminist. But it still has complexities if one sort of feels for Drishti as well. So, you know, that's also why I was asking why such a character was created. Also about, I mean, I was reading about your other books and a few interviews that you've done. And I stumbled upon your books and I found all the names very, very fascinating. You know, you have Masala Murder, then Dead in Mumbai Minute, Go Undercover, and now Dirty Women. And in the book, there's only one dialogue which says Dirty Women. Nowhere else. Is there a mention of the term, but just say one dialogue? Why this particular name? And it's it's almost as unapologetic as Drishti's character. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, statutory disclaimer. Names are the hardest thing for me. Like headlines, names of books. You can name a book anything, right? So this book went through several working titles. For the longest time, it was known as The Voyeur. And then I realized that there were just too many other books and films with that same name. So while it definitely encapsulated what I wanted to say with the book, it wasn't, you know, wouldn't be noteworthy or striking or memorable in any way. I think Dirty Women is, I mean, it's obviously tongue in cheek. I don't even think tongue in cheek is right. I mean, it's just how people would look at any of these women, really. Like, I mean, even Ahana was you know, up against it at home. And the feeling that we are all left with, I think, as women, when we make our choices and we either have to say to hell with all the rest of them, I don't care. Or we have to say that we're going to conform. And either way, we are left feeling somewhat dirty. I mean, at least I do. I've grown up in a very, you know, bog standard, middle class upbringing. There's very much in the era before I see kids nowadays and I I have hope because I think they are being raised by different parents. I mean, not that, you know, my parents were particularly difficult or anything like that. It's just, I mean, the pressure that they felt hopefully is different from the pressure that parents today are feeling and therefore they're raising their children differently. I really hope that the next generation of women grows up without that feeling of being dirty. In Bengal, I can't remember who it was. At some point, some politicians started talking about Oshlil me. Well, and, you know, it's just, it's dirty women. That's basically what it is. 
And I think that has always sort of stuck in my head. And the older I've got, the more I've realized that this is not my baggage. And I would love to be done with it. Of course, that's a work in progress, I think, for everyone. <laughs> that's basically it. Then, of course, the Roli put an absolutely beautiful cover on it. So it really just is very haunting now. And it gives a different, I think, spin to the title altogether. Yeah. And I think as one reads the book, sort of sets the cover, the, the title starts making a lot of sense. And also see, you know, Ahana also fighting her family and also, you know, her own self that, you know, whether she wants to do this or doesn't want to do this or her own choices of, you know, the career options that she takes up and mm-hmm. the, the kind of journalist that she is and the things that she has to face. I think that I found very interesting. It was as if, you know, we were just watching like two people leading similar yet different lives, even if one is playing a little safer by saying yes to an engagement while the other opts to be a mother with out of bedlock. At the end, they both are being categorized as dirty women or as right. or women with loose character or all those words that I think I have also grown up listening to not just I mean not in terms of my friends but also in terms of you know the books we read the kind of media that we consume and films really have that kind of impact so yeah it does make a lot of sense yeah I just wanted to also kind of talk to you about you know while you were writing this what were the kind of challenges that you had you know while because it is a very complex and a very nuanced read I mean because also as a woman I relate more so I was able to pick up on a lot of subtleties of, you know, dialogues where it, nothing was explained. You understand where the tension is, like you feel it right in your guts that, okay, this is tense. So what were the kind of challenges while you were sort of building this, you know, these layers and this entire novel? There was definitely a lot of work on the structural side because of the various, it's multiple POV and multiple timeline And I was fortunate to have a good editor who right at the end caught a very, very silly mistake. So it really went down to the wire and getting it perfect. As I mentioned earlier, the idea of revealing information in a murder mystery, or this isn't a murder mystery, it's it's a disappearance. I'm sure there's a trope that encapsulates this, but I don't know what it is. Anyway, kidnap slash disappearing child. Anyway, so the thrillers that I love are they mess with your head in some way. Now, I wasn't writing a psychological thriller. This isn't, you know, a woman in the window or, you know, a silent patient. It's a real story grounded in in news, really. So I think the idea of the book within the book arose partly because I love reading true crime. You know, it's one thing I would love to write, not in cold blood, obviously not, but You know, I read all the true crime books and they're fascinating the way they get into the nitty gritties of all parties involved and capture the social milieu, which results in these horrible things happening to me as the journalist side of my brain really just appreciates that. It's definitely difficult, though. And to do so in India would take, you know, the kind of access I just don't have. So I think part of this was a bit of a wish fulfillment. I would love to write true crime myself and I'm unable to. So that may have been the genesis. I don't know. But when this idea happened that, you know, 
when it all came together, it just made sense that we are seeing her as a reader, the, all the events that happen in the book through the lens of a journalist, through the lens of the book that she writes, through the lens of the characters themselves. We do get inside their brains sometimes, but not at the moments that we'd necessarily want to. That gives control back to me to reveal information. And that is a very difficult balance to strike in a good thriller. And it's something that I took a long time and many edits to get right. You know, until the end, my earliest readers, they often said that, you know, I was a little confused at this point, but I stuck with it and I got, you know, it made sense in the end including the absolutely wonderful Anne Cleves, who I absolutely adore and was floored when she agreed to read my book. But, you know, that's what she said that, you know, at some time at the beginning, I found the book within the book a little confusing, like, why was this happening? And then it made sense. Then that worked. That's all I can say about that. As I said earlier, the idea of me getting into Drishti's head and staying there the whole duration of this book I think it would have ripped me apart. Like, I'm not that strong. Like, I cannot sustain that level of creativity. I just cannot. <laughs> so I needed a way to distance myself, to write it safely, I think, also. It was very personal to me. So that was also why that structure came about. That was also a lot of the difficulty. You know, I did a lot of research into missing children. There's just terrible stuff out there. Like, it's just you know, endlessly tragic. And yeah, so I think I took my time trying to get the emotional bits right. There's one particular case that I haven't actually spoken about yet, but there was a case of a disappearance of a child. Her name is Maddie McCann. And she disappeared at around a similar age from a hotel in Portugal many years ago. And much like Drishti, there was, you know, finger pointing at the parents and all the usual things that happened. That child was never found. And it's a massive international investigation and has been ongoing, I think, 10, 15 years now. Like it was a long time ago. So I really delved into things that were uncomfortable. and But it was important to me to not sensationalize it. Like I didn't want to write a book that was yet another you know, just overblown account of some, some crime. No, this, this really does happen. And how it affects the people around them, how those parents face the camera, for instance. It's heartbreaking, but yeah, I wanted to get it right. And I think also the focus on just the fact that the protagonist of your novel is also fighting her own battle for her own truth, of living her truth. And for me, what also was jarring is also something that we see that a lot of times when women decide to, you know, live their own truths and break away from the structures, your society and everybody else sort of starts weighing in. And so what was important, say, for example, in the book where, you know, finding Tara was important, what people were focusing on was, oh, you know, like, she is of this character and she is like this and the neighbors started seeing the same things and, you know, there's this counter narrative that gets built, which is so often we see that in newsrooms also all the time. I mean, the whole SSR case last year was just a proof of what media can also do. So 
I just want to also understand, you know, while you were writing this and you were creating the character, this conflict that you built within the the whole structure of a thriller, which is what I find very interesting. That is, it's not just like it's a thriller, but it takes you in this whole sort of it becomes very personal sort of a space. So why was that focus sort of added within that structure? Like, why did you want to bring in this idea of this? You know, if women live their truth, then this is what happens, and this all sort of derails. the entire justice system also mm-hmm. and then you know it actually creates more of a mess than the so-called solution to the problem so why was this nuance added as part of your novel i think that was the kernel that is where the story grew from in fact honestly i mean a lot of people have said that it's a very pacey thriller i didn't think it was like when i was writing it i just thought that it was quite slow in fact and i think apart from one of my readers everyone else has said that you know we finished it in like one sitting or two sittings and that took me by surprise actually because for me i think the focus was on building the rest of it the thriller element was there compared to most thrillers there's not a lot that happens the action is actually is all in the characters heads it's all in the interplay of the people around the thing this child went missing and without giving away too much that was kind of it like no one really knew what was happening that was the tension and to me that was the opposite of what a thriller should be and i was quite concerned that people wouldn't see wouldn't be able to you know kind of get into that aspect of the storyline but it turned out to be quite different like the reaction of most readers was quite different for me the idea of a thriller that said a little more than what most of your you know procedurals or what most of your detective stories did would say i don't know if there was any particular inspiration for it there's a lot of really good crime fiction that's written particularly in the west i hate to say it in india there isn't much crime that's published So what is published tends to be quite genre bound and there's a space for that. I love that sort of book. I read crime thrillers voraciously. I've written several of them myself. This is different from those though. I can only say that the idea took it where it needed to be. I didn't have a plan for it. I do think that a lot of very good shows are being made in this space where they tread the line between being thriller and you know I don't even know how to categorize this book it is being categorized as commercial fiction but it's not really like it's not a commercial crime thriller so I'm with you on that it is a little bit of a genre straddling book it's not literary I don't write literary it's not my style but that's just a question of prose i think the ideas can be as impactful no matter what the form factor right i actually had written up this question what were your favorite bits while writing this book i mean i feel like favorite is not the right word but <laughs> i think in terms of the process i feel i can open up the question a little bit not just this book but any book that you've written so far what have been your the process that you enjoy the most like which gives you the after the pain after, after the sorrow the pain. and after the tears <laughs> i mean because i'm also trying to understand you know every writer will have their own processes and will mm-hmm. have their own ways of dealing 
with their projects. So what are the projects where you feel a little bit at ease or say that, okay, oh. this is something I'm more comfortable <laughs> with or, okay, I, I think I can handle this probably. <laughs> well, I think there's a part of every project where you, you know, run away from your computer with your arms flapping wildly in the air saying that I can't do this. And then you realize that you can and you have to and you will. And I think I go through days where writing is, you know, it slows. And there are some days where it's like pulling teeth. But I always realize that when I'm having a difficult spot with the actual writing, it's because I don't know what's happening next. And this has taken me several books to figure it out. There is a block and that block is there for a very good reason. My subconscious is telling me something that my conscious mind has not figured out yet. And the more books I write, the more I have become faster at identifying it and saying that, okay, I need to work out what happens in these next few scenes before I can write any more prose. So in general, I would say my favorite bits of writing are when those pieces fall into place. It feels like detective work, except, I mean, I can't, it's taken me a long time to tell myself that I am the architect of this book. The truths aren't coming to me. I can build to them. And the more practice I get, the more I'm able to control that process. So it's less looking for the logic and more writing towards what you want to say. I think when we start out, well, at least when I started out as a writer, I was very consumed with the idea that the words will come and the story will flow. And the more you write, you realize that, no, there's story structure. And these things help. They don't hurt. They don't stand in the way of creativity. They're very, very good scaffolds for whatever ideas that you have. So I think I love writing romance. Really, I do. So I think my favorite bits of this book were probably building that very strange relationship between Drishti and her lover. I will not give away too much right now. But also Ahana and hers, like those small moments of intimacy where people let their guard down, where people allow themselves to be vulnerable. I think that is is very, it's fun to write. When there's some stuff happened right at the end of this book, which I cannot say because it will give away too much, but bringing it together in the end really did feel like pieces coming together in a very rewarding way for me. But yeah, apart from that, it's very painful writing a book, (laughs) but also equally joyous and wonderful. So so like I said earlier that, you know, as a woman, I kind of related to a lot of kind of dialogues, lines, the narrative building, the situations that were, you know, created in the book. What do you expect the readers will take away from this? I mean, as a writer, what do you have in mind that they will take away while they're reading this book? First of all, to lock their doors, <laughs> to not judge so freely, I think. It's a struggle for us all. Like we all judge. Like I'm hardly a non-judgmental person. I'm not placing myself on that particular pedestal. But for me, the lesson I think of this book is also don't judge yourself so harshly. Let yourself be who you need to be. And 
don't give parents advice. <laughs> Unwarranted advice. <laughs> like actually one of the really like, I mean, just plucked from my own life scenes was when, you know, some uncle turns around and tells Drishti, like, why is Tara so thin? She needs to eat. Like, oh my good God. I cannot, you know, like every parent deals with it. Our society is endlessly nosy on every possible sphere. And we need to not, like really, enough. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. But do you feel like women face that as parents a little more than men do in terms of, you know, these kind of comments and, you know, like in Hindi they say, you don't eat it, you do Absolutely. If a father does anything for their child, they are lauded for it. So they will never get the criticism because anything that they are doing, whether they're playing with their child or feeding the child or whatever, that is extra for them. They're doing it because their wife isn't. And this isn't the view of the father. This is the view of everyone watching that father. So it is almost exclusively female and also i think we as women respond to it differently because of all of you know endless criticism on our lives and it's like having you know 10 beta readers and critique partners for whatever you do throughout your whole existence so maybe there are people who can you know shrug it off as though it meant nothing and that's possibly the way to stay sane but The question we should ask is why should we have to deal with it? <laughs> really, we shouldn't. There's a thing as too much community. I know that this is an unpopular opinion in India, but for introverts and atheists and people who just want to do their own thing, it is painful to actually experience the crush of expectation and just Yeah, the weight of being perfect about everything. Like, that's absolutely the other thing, though. Like, you know, no one should strive for perfection. And like, for me, Drishti didn't strive for perfection. And that is also something like, she wasn't this crazy, creative, artistic genius who was like doing some bizarre thing. She wasn't. She was just herself. And I mean, I wish I could be like that. But yeah. Yeah, even in the end of the book, Again, I also don't want to reveal too much, but I think the fact that, you know, the story is about essentially three women characters, Drishti, Ahana and Tara also. And so, you know, and yourself as a fourth one, as a writer. So it sort of kind of builds this, this narrative around how we will feel. And at the end also, there is this, this whole conversation that, you know, we need to be at the helm of our own narrative and mm. to make sure because it will be so easy to smear our name and even if you know things have been forgotten they can be brought back to life that you've summed it up really well just a last question just wanted to know what your future plans are and what kind of projects you're working on if there's anything that's happening or are you taking a break and chilling <laughs> currently i'm not writing a book under this name for the indian market but i have started a new publishing venture under a pen name for international audiences. Right. Perfect. Great. This okay. has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for your time. It was lovely. It was great fun. <laughs>